The Forum at 8 on SAFM. It's eight minutes after eight here on AM Live. Thank you so much for tuning in if you've just joined us. And if you've been with us uh, since 6 a.m., then thank you for staying with us. On the forum at eight this morning, we look at the recent spike in racism-related incidents in South Africa. Now, a recent incident caught on CCTV footage from a petrol station in Vidbank, Goema Lathleni, captures disturbing images of a black uh, petrol attendant being attacked by white bikers. Is there still, you know, uh, this notion of a transformation agenda that isn't quite working 20 years into our democratic dispensation? Will we ever get to the point where we, as South Africa at least, can eradicate racism? And we join you to, uh, we we ask you to share in this discussion and uh, give us your views via SMS on 34701 or you can call in on 0891 Alternatively, you can send us a tweet or a Facebook message at AM Live on SAFM or at Sakina Kamwendo. And I'm hoping that we will actually have a very authentic discussion about uh, race-related matters this morning. And joining us for this discussion, Tate Leslie Digeni, who is an urban sociologist and author of Poverty of Ideas, South African Democracy and the Retreat of Intellectuals and South African Development Perspectives in Question. Uh, thank you so much for your time, Ntate. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Good morning. We also have with us in studio here Mr. Kali Creel, who is the CEO of Afri Forum. Thanks for coming through. Good morning, Sakina. It's a pleasure being with you. And Dr. Kim Whale joins us. Uh, she's the project leader of the Reconciliation Barometer at the Institute for Justice and Reconciliation. And we appreciate your time as well, Dr. Whale. Thanks for having me on the show, Sakana. Now, I actually want to start with you, Dr. Whale, because, um, you know, the study that you conducted made for some really, really fascinating, uh, fascinating reading, uh, this uh, reconciliation barometer. If you would just, you know, run us through uh, the survey in very brief terms. Sure. Well, every year since 2003, we collect data on citizens' perceptions of reconciliation. We interview about 3,500 South Africans using a nationally representative sample. And this year, we wanted to understand how reconciliation has changed over time. One of the things that we found is while there have been some important improvements, like trust between races is increasing and approval for interracial integration is improving, especially among white South Africans, The place where we're not improving is in acknowledging the legacy of the past, the injustice of apartheid, and especially amongst white South Africans. There's a lack of acknowledgement compared to other South Africans of the the unjust and criminal nature of apartheid, and this has implications for whether we, we address the continued racism in the present. So these findings, I think, offer some insights into the question that you're asking today about whether we will ever be over racism, I'm not sure that we've properly engaged with racism in society yet as South Africans. So it's almost the next step to move from non-racialism and rainbow nation to a more active anti-racism and um, understanding racism in South Africa so that we can combat it in its more subtle and also overt form. I couldn't agree with you more, but how do you propose we actually engage authentically on matters with regard to race? Well, the first step is acknowledgement, um, especially with bringing white South Africans to the table, because white South African identity can still be quite defensive when it comes to race issues. 
and it's understandable because A, there's a lot of pain around it, and B, it, it throws up fear. What does it mean to acknowledge that my racial identity benefited from an apartheid system? Um, so the first step has to be dealt with care. Um, we all ultimately want a more um, inclusive and caring South Africa, but in order to do that, the first step is the hard work of acknowledging and the pain, the suffering, and acknowledging race and, and racial identity, which people are still very scared to do. So just at the first step, acknowledgement and bringing white South Africans to the table and white South Africans being brave enough to ask the question, what does race actually mean for me in South Africa? And what are my responsibilities around my racial identity, considering my place within history? Mr. Kali Creel? Yes, uh, I must uh, agree with one aspect of uh, Dr. Whaley is that uh, we have to fight racism. I think racism is not in the interest of any one of us. If if you're black or white, it will harm all of us. Uh, Tomorrow morning when we wake up, we have to coexist in this country. And uh, racism that polarizes is not good for anybody. But where I differ from Dr. Whale is to to say that the fight against racism is not successful uh, simply because the one-sided approach that we have towards racism. Um, If you listen to the study, the first thing he says, you know, whites need to do this, whites need to do that. And it actually makes whites the only scapegoat with regard to racism. And if you look at uh, this kind of double standards, it uh, creates a situation where you have from uh, every forum's constituency where our members are fed up as being portrayed as a perpetrator every time, while in many cases that we see, they are also the victims of, of racism. And we have to be open about this and have a fair debate to say there shouldn't be double standards. You referred to the incident uh, where a, a petrol attendant was attacked by white bikers. We condemn that incident in the strongest possible terms. Um, as we condemn the fact when a farmer is being tortured in a hateful manner, or where, where there's torture and murder of in cases where you have, for instance, um, uh, white people also being murdered by black people, where you have a situation where the former Springbok lock in the 1995 World Cup on a stray dome was attacked um, by six black people, then it is hijacking, then it is normal crime. But when it comes to this incident at, uh, at the petrol station, it is racism. And uh, we should not have those kind of double standards. Let's say we have to fight all forms of racism and not just, just make whites a scapegoat and not have double standards when we approach the race issue. And uh, concerning the issue of acknowledgement of atrocities of the past that uh, Dr. Whale was talking about, do you think that yes. white people are open to that? Your yes. constituency, uh, for example? Yes, of course, there were things that happened in the past that was not right. Um, uh, torturing of people, the fact that uh, people's dignity was infringed upon. But again, when we also look at the past, we must also not have double standards. We must also say that there, there was a, a, a struggle party whose hands were not clean, that uh, necklaced people, their own people, that uh, tortured people in, in uh, quattro camps uh, of ANC camps in exile where landmines were planted um, in, uh, in civilian on civilian roads where children and women were killed. All those atrocities we, we need to live with in this country and we need to recognize them. Um, but I'm not for a system of collective guilt where the blame is always being put 
on, on, on one sector of our society. And I think if you, if you want to speak the contribution of white people at the moment, if you look at our tax-paying system, only 1.6 million people pay more than 80% of the tax in a country, of whom a large part are white people. Um, I myself work half my year to pay taxes um, and to make sure that we contribute to this country, that we fight poverty, that we fund hospitals, that we fund schools. And that role also needs to be recognized. And rather than making people a scapegoat to say people, uh, white people in this country also make a contribution, recognize that without deny, denying anything that uh, where, where mistakes were made. And we can speak openly about that, but I think if we're going to have a one-sided approach, it's only going to create further polarization. I struggle to understand why you raise the issue of paying taxes, because I am a black South African, I pay taxes, and Mm. I understand what that goes towards. So Mm. why would I raise that in the context of a discussion on racial relations, Um, race relations in South Africa? Why I'm saying that is uh, I also recognize the fact that you pay taxes, and I, and I admire you for the fact that you also make a huge contribution. Um, but I raise this simply because it's, it's a lot being said, you know, white people don't make a contribution. They are in the minimalism. But we forget that there are also taxpayers that contribute to this country. And I, I'm mentioning that not to say that whites are the only taxpayers in the country, but to say that uh, many of these people do make a positive contribution they make a contribution to make sure that there is funding for education, that there's funding for hospitals. And uh, that's a way to say, don't simply deny the contribution that, that they are making. But, but, but uh, do you then acknowledge that at least the reason why you find yourself in that situation for the most part as white South Africa is because you benefited from an unjust system that was apartheid. And as a result of that, you are continuously advantaged to a point where you find yourself in that position where you have to pay taxes as opposed to some people who are sitting on street corners not having an education or jobs. But what I'm saying is don't simply then not recognize the fact that uh, people are making a contribution. The fact is um, um, if you, uh, we should also not just generalize and say, you know, all white people are rich and that uh, they were favored. I come from a family where um, my father refused to be part of the, of the then Bruderbond, who did not have the same uh, opportunities as the Afrikaner elite. Uh, we come from a relatively uh, poor family who got nothing for free, that worked hard. Um, I'm not denying that there were elite people that benefited strongly from that system. But um, we cannot use that as as an argument to now say that whites don't make a contribution at the moment because they are. Let's go to Ntate Digeni. What's your view on what you've heard thus far? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Thank you, Sakila. First first thing, one, I'm not here commenting here or contributing to this debate in a position of representing white or black people. I'm here talking as a South African. And I think that our callers must stop talking like that if we have to move forward with the debate. They must talk as South Africans, not as representatives of a particular group, racial group or ethnic group. So let's get that one clear. Okay, on that score, whilst you're making uh, that can, point. Can I, can, I, can I make my two very important interventions before I, I, I go further on the debate? The second thing, I do not want us to homogenize 
black or white people. We have to stop thinking in homogeneous terms. We have to start thinking in heterogeneous ways of analyzing the South African race problem. The third one is we, don't, we, we must not talk as if race is something that we are born with. You know? race, racism all over the world, and especially in our country, where uh, 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 the word apartheid in the dictionary, everyone, will, if, if you read the dictionary, when you define apartheid, that word really originates from South Africa, which, 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 which to me suggests that we have to take into account that racism in South Africa is a structural element. It was, a struct, it was structured, it was planned, it was created. It's not like something that we were born with and there, yes, black and white against each other. It was structured. There were people who, who planned the structure, implemented it, and established it. That is what racism in South Africa is about. Okay. And, 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 and how do you suggest we move forward from the point at which we find ourselves right now? I think we have to get the basics, which I've just explained to you, correct. Don't homogenize, heterogenize. Understand that racism in South Africa as a phenomena was a phenomena that was structured. It must be deconstructed, and we must fight against it and move forward. But why do you think people actually do homogenize when they talk about race? Why do they homogenize? Yes. It is precisely because you are a racist. If you are a racist, you think in homogeneous terms. But if you are not a racialist, you will not think like that. You will understand that human beings are human beings. The first moment when you start homogenizing is when you are becoming a racist. All right. And then I want to go to uh, Dr. Whale quickly before we go to the lines because I see callers are lining up. 891 is the number to dial. We'll get to you in just a moment. But Dr. Whale, your response to what's been said thus far? Um, one thing that I want to comment on is that I'm not sure we're all using the same definitions of racism. So on the one hand, you can see racism as something in people's heads, that there are individuals who are racist against other individuals, um, and it can be black or white people who are racist against each other. But then there's another view of racism, which I think is more important here, which is a structural and, and um, systemic view, that recognizes that apartheid set up a system that was material, it was symbolic, it was psychological, and it set it up in such a way that it's self-perpetuating. So even though apartheid finishes, the systemic and structural racist issues continue. So then if you're arguing for non-racialism and not to see race, then you're also not seeing a racist system that continues to have effect within South Africa. So what we're arguing is actually it's important to understand the way racism is still operating and to walk backwards. Like if it's a treadmill that's moving forward, you actually actively have to walk backwards. So just to make clear these two different definitions of racism, one racism that exists within individuals and another one racism that exists within a system, and it's a systemic racism that we're really needing to, um, to address in South Africa today. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I, I think uh, I understand 
where she comes from. I understand that you can have uh, uh, racial practices in terms of individuals being uh, prejudiced to other people, but the very structural elements is what reproduces what you see as individuals becoming like that. The very structure, because it's, it's, when it's systemic, it's that system that makes, that changes consciousness of people. We must not take we must take into account of consciousness here. It's that very system that makes people to think in the particular way, to act in the particular way. Mm-hmm. Dr. Wayne? So we, we, we cannot, we no, cannot I would separate. agree. I would agree. I'm, I'm in agreement. The systemic pro- pro- process from the consciousness of how people act and behave in society. All right. So, Those two are, are, are inseparable. We're going to go to so, the so lines I agree now. with that. Uh, yes, um, but but it's just the reason I wanted to make that difference is because sometimes there's an argument that whether like that it's the same um, black acts of violence against white or the same as white acts of violence against yeah, black, yeah, yeah. and that kind of argument doesn't understand that there's a power difference there. So I, I agree with you that the systemic impacts the psychological. But we can't just look at the psychological. We also have to look at the systemic. That's all I would say. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, uh, now that we have some form of consensus there, let's move on to our listeners and take calls. 0891-104-208. Mohammed in Durban, good morning. Morning, um, uh, um, uh, Sakina. Sorry, I didn't get your name. Sakina. Uh, Sakina, I just have a few quick points, and then I have a solution as well. Number one. Uh, the gentleman must not talk a lie there to say that the whites are paying the, the taxes, the 1.7 million or whatever it is. We are 15 million blacks in South Africa. Each one pays tax in the form of VAT. Even if he buys a loose cigarette or he buys a, a, a single item, a, a washing powder, he pays tax. So if you add up the taxes of the 15 million people compared to the 1.7 million, he is lying and hoodwinking us. That's his correction. Uh, ma'am, second issue quickly. The whites in the, in the bigger towns or cities have virtually almost blended. It is the whites come and experience in the smaller towns. I give you an example like Dundee, Freyhead, the stronger Boer uh, towns, uh, little towns. Territory is racism like you can't believe. The blacks are being oppressed today because why? They are actually looking forward to the farmers for the jobs. And that is where they are taking advantage over the people. The third quick issue, ma'am, I am on the road every day. And you can ask anybody, take a referendum on it in the country if you want to. More than 40 or 50 road rage incidents I, I experienced, I'm on the road, and I'm driving for about 30 years with no incident. It's only the whites that have a problem and, and they want to fight on the road, they want to park off on the road, they're showing us firearms, and, and, and uh, they, uh, it is happening all the time. So uh, this is uh, uh, an ongoing thing. I haven't seen a road rage from a black person trying to bully me on the road. It is the whites. At the end of the day, the attitude of if you're white, you're all right or you're right, that attitude is still there. Then I'm coming quickly to the solution. The only solution, ma'am, that will help to to gain this uh, sort of uh, momentum whereby they blend into society, government should have a policy. Every white should actually get into a township as a community service before he gets into any career or job. He must work there, pick the garbage up, do the painting, renovations, plumbing for the blacks, work there as community service for two years as what they did for the army and the benefit for them. That is where they're actually bullying us today. They must do community service for the blacks for two years and then they can get it into careers. And I feel that will be a solution for them 
to actually blend into the society and respect every other culture or to find themselves not superior to others. Mm. And that was Mohammed in Durban. As for road rage, I've seen people of all hues perpetrate uh, those sort of actions. But Ntabi Singh is in Kailicha. Good morning. Good morning, Sakina. Here in Cape Town, there's been a lot of these incidents. A guy from Malawi one Sunday was going to work. He was attacked in Clermont by a white man who, whose car window was broken. He saw this black guy running to catch a taxi to go to work. This guy is a gardener. He hit him with a shambok until his lunchbox fell. Then he realized that this is the wrong person because it was a black guy running, going to work on a Sunday. And this guy who did this, he's a, he's a doctor. He has a surgery in, in Claremont. Again, another incident, three white students in Newland Stadium attacked a colored woman. This, this woman is a cleaner at the stadium. They were urinating to a black taxi driver. So when this woman came and asked, what are you guys doing? They attacked this woman. And if his son did not come to rescue him, he would have been killed. There's been a lot of these incidents happening in Cape Town. Mm. Okay, and we have heard a lot about Cape Town and racist uh, incidents in that particular city. Thank you so much for that contribution, Tabi Singh. Sipo in Woodmead. Uh, good morning. Uh, my first point is that uh, race is, is actually a learned behavior. Uh, my kids are at the school with uh, white kids and so forth, but they, they mingle nicely. There's no issues there. But obviously, when they grow up, according to their parents' eye. But that's the first point. The second point is that racism is a choice. Every individual chooses to be racist. It's not <laughs> something that you 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 are forced to, to do. And looking at the, the policies that were, were put forward by the apartheid regime, we also need an antidote policy that will redress the, the, the past uh, uh, racist behavior of the ruling party at the time. And last point for me is that if we can improve uh, economically, especially for the masses, whereby the government must start supporting businesses, not small businesses, because lately the preaching is about small businesses, because it's only blacks that have to do small businesses. Government must put money into big businesses so that we don't have to beg white people to actually love us or be nice to us in their own corporates. Currently, the current economic, uh, 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 what can I put it, the, the economy of the country currently is managed by whites. That's a fact. So as sooner, the sooner we change that and then have the, level, uh, the, play, the, the, the equal playing field, then we'll be able to change. Okay. That's Sipo's contribution out in Woodmead. On the the forum at 8 this morning, we are looking at race relations in South Africa and we are asking, will we ever eradicate racism? Our guest this morning, Ntate Leslie Tikeni, Mr. Kali Creel and Dr. Kim Whale. And uh, just before we go back to the lines, perhaps uh, our panel can just respond to the issues raised by the questions uh, by the callers before the news break. Uh, Kali? Yes, uh Unfortunately, you know, uh, we all realize that we have a racism problem in a country. But if I listen to the callers and the statements they make, they think they will fight racism by making one sector of the community the scapegoat, saying it's only whites that are violent on the roads. 
uh, naming incidents where a Malawian was shambucked by a, by a white man. And if you're going to make one community the scapegoat, it's human that uh, that community, there will be a backlash. And they will start naming all, and there are also hundreds of incidents where white people are attacked by black people. That's why from every forum side, it's, uh, we're saying, let's not get into a mudslinging match. Let's condemn all forms of racism. And that is what every forum has done. When we had the Commando Corps, it's a white extremist group uh, that trained young people. They taught young people that the brains of black people are smaller, a lot of hogwash where they indoctrinated young people. Every forum came out strongly with a statement to say, we condemn this in the strongest possible terms. We believe in mutual recognition and respect amongst communities. Also, other incidents where Dan Ruth, uh, that represented Steve Hofmeyer, uh, made uh, certain racist statements. We came out strongly and we said we condemn Dan Ruth in the strongest possible terms. But we also condemn um, other incidents where the University of the Free State discriminates against white students by expelling them because they were simply accused of racism and they were found not guilty later. So if we want to solve this problem, my urge would be to these callers to not have a sectoral approach. Let's say that uh, we human Racism is a problem amongst all communities, and let's tackle that. If you're going to blame people, you're simply going to promote polarization. Here's a question for you from uh, Aubrey Mashitke. Does Creel accept that apartheid was a crime against humanity, firstly? And are you saying that apartheid and the struggle are morally equivalent? Well, I think if you're going to kill innocent civilians, there can be no just cause to justify that. To plant a, to plant a landmine in a road where women and children are driving cannot be justified because you were fighting apartheid. So um, the killing of civilians I regard as immoral, irrespective of who the perpetrators are and for what reason they are, they are doing that. Uh, what I've said, um, you know, apartheid is a broad term. Um, and uh, apartheid as a system, in a sense that uh, where the dignity of people were infringed upon, uh, that's something that cannot be justified. And that's why we are saying to move forward, let's make sure that uh, the dignity of all people in this country are respected, uh, that we find ways to move forward, that we find ways to tackle the economic inequalities in our society. But uh, if... How? Well, I think that the first way to do that is uh, from every forum side, we believe in the concept of mutual recognition and respect. And uh, we've unfortunately, the reason for deteriorating racial um, relations in a country, for me personally, is because we, we have moved away from mutual recognition and respect. And if you listen to some of uh, the callers, they, they have a sense of, of anger towards white people, but we have to learn to respect one another um, if we're going to move forward. And that means uh, for myself, there's something I must do. I must not think that black people should now be the same as I am, and they must speak the same as I do. They must, uh, they must become westernized, if I can use that. I think that that is one of the reasons for polarization. So we say let people be themselves and respect one another for it. But at the same time, I want to have self-confidence say I also want the space to be myself and to have an Afrikaans school and to have an Afrikaans university campus without uh, the Minister of Higher Education through his hatred of Afrikaners saying that there cannot be such a university. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what makes that hatred, but uh, let me get Ntate Tikeni. I can hear he's uh, chomping at the bit yes, to come yes, in. Yes, yes, yes. 
The problem with the AFI Forum and our colleague is that they seem to assume that they have a monopoly over white people's ideas, thinking, and practices. Let me tell them, you don't have that. White people are white people. They are South Africans, in fact. Stop talking like a South African. Stop talking like a representative of the other. You are, as an individual, you are just a white person like any other normal white person in South Africa. Once you have done that, then you'll be able to deal with the kinds of questions and problems that you're faced with. At the moment, you assume that you can talk on behalf of white people who give you that mandate. You don't have such a mandate. There will be other white people who will contest what you are saying, who will not agree with you. I put it to you that they will say, no, we don't agree with Africa Forum. We, know, we now know that. So stop assuming when you stand on a public platform that you are speaking on behalf of white people. It's impossible. You can't do that. As I said, I don't speak on behalf of black people. I voice my opinion as an ordinary South African. Uh, Leslie, I must with respect say that I never said that I speak on behalf of black people. You, you I, do, speak, I speak on behalf of... I speak on behalf of the 115,000 members that AfriForum have, who mostly are Afrikaners, not exclusively Afrikaners, and uh, we have a right to say what we what we say. And of course, there would be white people that disagree with our statements, and we respect that. But it doesn't mean that we cannot take a statement on behalf of our 115,000 members. Start talking as a representative of, of AfriForum. Don't say, "I, white people." No. Just say, our position as Afriforum is this one. Then we understand. Then we are clear. All right. And Dr. Whale, your contribution to what has been said? Um, I think that we ignore questions of power and privilege at our peril. So just to recognize that apartheid did set up a system um, and that we occupy different places within relations of power as racial identities and race groups. White South Africans continue to hold a lot of cultural power and economic power. They also were benefactors of the system, whereas black South Africans were oppressed by the system, um, which means we do have different roles to play within reconciliation. Mm. Of course, we're all human and we need to approach each other as human beings, but we also have different histories, different places within relations of power, and so different responsibilities. Um, and I just, I just want to put that forward because also... This idea of scapegoating, you normally scapegoat someone who's, who's weaker than you, so something gets pushed onto to a weaker person. But white South Africans are often in a more powerful position, so in terms of white privilege and cultural dominance. So it's very important that they are willing to listen to the lived experience of black South Africans because it's in research and in race theory this idea of privilege and white privilege is that a privileged group, not just white South Africans, but any um, identity privileged group, part of being part of that group is lack of awareness. So part of that privilege is lack of awareness of the way in which your identity impacts on you. You're allowed to think of yourself as an individual um, because you don't experience the racial oppression that's going on that other people do experience. So there is an onus of responsibility on white South Africans to try and move beyond um, that lack of awareness, that, that sense of entitlement, 
And it's not going to feel natural. It's actually going to feel counterintuitive because the whole system has been set up so you can think of yourself as an individual not affected by race. But you are and other people are. So it's important that we are able to ask these difficult questions of ourselves. And it's not the same for black South Africans as for white South Africans. We do have different responsibilities. We do occupy different places within a system of power. We do have a different historical legacy. It has affected our consciousness differently. And just a very quick response, uh, you know, um, uh, the, the question that I was asking Kali earlier, uh, was apartheid a crime against humanity? From who? Now? From Dr. Whale. Dr. Whale. Was apartheid a crime against humanity? Yes. Yes, of course, apartheid was an unjust crime against humanity. And um, if we don't recognize that it was a crime against humanity, then we won't redress its psychological and structural impact in the present. Uh, let's go back to the lines. 0891-104-208. Chantal Kisun from the uh, South African Human Rights Commission. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me on this interesting discussion. Um, what are your views on this, Chantal? It's by far one of the most important questions, I think, facing us as a society. But just quickly to go back, if I may, on, on, on this question of uh, apartheid being trying to humanity. You know, at the international level, we have the committee, the I-Third Committee, um, uh, the third committee, which, which is a mechanism created in terms of the International Convention for the Elimination of Racial Discrimination. And that committee very expressly condemned apartheid as being scientifically false morally condemnable, socially unjustifiable, and and dangerous. And it went on to say that there was simply no justification in theory or in practice for continuing any form of apartheid. And that, I think, sums it up, and we see it then translated in our Constitution um, and the Bill of Rights variously in in the documents itself. We've subsequently seen the state... um, uh, create laws and, and very strong frameworks to, to eradicate the very obvious manifestations. Uh, but for us at the Commission, the, the reality is very different. Daily we see people um, who complain to us that their rights have been violated. Uh, daily we see complaints about the use of derogatory language um, with, its, with its roots in, in deep-seated racism. Uh, and social conditioning, um, where employers continue, particularly the small, small to medium, where it seems to be concentrated there, where people continue to refer uh, to black people uh, with derogatory racial epithets, like the K word. Um, and, and these manifestations make it very clear to us that the road ahead is long. And, um, you know, I've been listening to Afri Forum a number of the other panelists, um, and it's and it's and it's so clear that uh, people need now to move from a place of taking positions to a collective interest. Okay, that was uh, Chantal Kisun from the South African Human Rights Commission. Let's go to um, um, Tabang in Vidbang. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Sakin. How are you? Well, and you, Tabang? Yes. Um to start with, there is no black or white uh, race. This is uh, all a concept of colonialism and slavery. 
there is only one race to which all of us we belong, and that is human race. So this black or white is something that was created uh, by the Europeans when they were trying to create uh, white supremacy. And therefore, I think that people should reject this concept of saying they are black or white because they are not material. And so we are all created by God, and God has created us in the form of human beings, and there is only one race to which all of us we belong. Well, I do agree that we are differently as human beings because of the geographical isolations where we originate from it from the six different continents where God placed one of us. And lastly, I've got one question from the guy of the Afri Forum. Uh, to say, when his forefathers, they, fail, they, they first uh, sailed, here, sailed here in Africa in 1652, they, they knew that they were white. Definitely sure they never knew that they were white. They just regarded themselves as human beings. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Tabang and Vedbang. The question we have today is, will we ever eradicate racism given the spike that we have seen in recent times regarding race-related incidents in South Africa? But let's go back to the lines, taking your calls. Mtandeni in Kruenstad, good morning. Yes, Mtandeni, Sakina. Mtandeni is of case, and I know him. <laughs> I've been correcting Welcome, you. Welcome, Mtandeni. <laughs> no, thanks a lot. Sakina, firstly, man, I just want to comment on Mr. Fikini's comment on the origination of apartheid in South Africa. Mm. My understanding is that that weight cannot originate from South Africa, but it was transported to South Africa. It originates from Europe, specifically in Dutch. But its application... And as a result of its transportation, it manifested itself in the current form that we have been witnessing all these years. Coming to AgriForum, I think AgriForum collectively saw it represents a particular view that actually exists prior 1994 and post-1994. And in everything of progress in this country, particularly initiated or done by government, Agri Forum will never pronounce any positive acknowledgement of such positive thing. Therefore, the context of Agri Forum is really manifested in its background, not post-1994. Therefore, they will behave in that particular day, continue behaving. And thirdly, I'm a witness to racism now, uh, presently. I can tell you that in one of the franchise stores in Kronstadt, I experienced a particular, this big French, I can mention it, this wind is not a problem. This particular shop, one example, the wife of the, of the owner, I was there going to pay, and there's a white guy behind me. Instead of uh, what she did to the white guy, she, took, she gave him a change in his hand. When she, she came to me, she put the change on the counter. And I confronted the issue, but I had to appreciate that her husband intervened. I called him. I said, this behavior tells me what happened behind scenes before coming to the public. And therefore comes to the point I'm saying, in order to eradicate racism or, or these negative uh, race relations, is to go back to the households. 
You see, the nature of communication we do in our own separate homes, it contributes a lot to the upcoming generation. And that's Mtandeki um, in Kruenstadt with his contribution. Lumka and Midrand. Hi, this is Alex. It's not Lumka. Oh, apologies there, Alex. Gremlins at work. Good morning. Good morning to you. Uh, look, I just want to comment on the uh, the comment made by the African Forum men there about tax. Mm-hmm. It is important, perhaps, at some point in the history of this discussion or in the history of uh, our country's transformation into a non-racial society to discuss the race relations of tax in this country. Because the mentioning of tax when we discuss race relations is not an innocent affair. At a particular point in the history of South Africa, tax administration was structured along racial lines. And some within the white community felt that they were the only ones who are contributing to the well-being and development of the country. And tax resources were obviously used to underdevelop the black community while developing the white community. So this was not a mistake. This was not... Uh, 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 a statement made out of the blue. It is a statement that is anchored in the text history of this country. Ah, and there we lost Alex. Uh, but anyway, let's move on to, uh, is it Colette in Kempton Park? I know, the lines are acting up at this point. But I think, you know, we got quite a bit uh, to sink our teeth into. Let me just add a few SMSs here. Another hiccup in mending South Africa is entitlement, says JP. And Ike says, uh, you are not addressing the fundamental on which race relations are based, the property relations that existed during the apartheid era and continue to exist and be perpetuated by the partnership between the apartheid elite and the new African political, bureaucratic and business elites. This is the neo-colonial order we are living in today and this is the, the system under which we live and the leaders of this country are afraid to deal with it courageously. Susie says God should have just made us all one color and Stephen in Durban says there were whites who fought apartheid members in the UDF etc. We were arrested, beaten, tear gas, tortured, uh, called the K-word booties etc. And there were lots of us who fought uh, for what was right. And this one says what do we aim to gain from the blame game yes the past was unfair most perpetrators are dead today so why should we pay for their crimes in modern day whites refuse to admit atrocities let's move on without pitying ourselves focus on reconciliation and forgiveness not viewing all different races races as inherently racist and a final one from Barry in Durban SA lost the chance of racial integration in 1994 when the ANC legislated it was okay to practice reverse discrimination, especially in employment. Well, Dr. Way, let me start with you. We're wrapping up now. So I just want to say there's a difference between blame and awareness. Um, we don't want to blame, but we do want to raise awareness around the fact that apartheid was a crime against humanity. It continues to impact the present, and if we're not aware of the way in which it's impacting the present, we're doomed to repeat it in the future. So it's about raising awareness of the way in which race continues to impact our lives and also the difficult questions that that raises around what are our responsibilities within these relationships of reconciliation considering the past. And then Ntate Tigeni? 
Yeah, no, let's agree that uh, on the one hand that uh, there is consensus that apartheid is a crime against humanity all over the world. Um, there will be some few individuals who will disagree with that. That's fine. Um, however, the most important point for those of us who agree that it is a crime against humanity uh, and that it needs to be changed, we need to accept the fact that transforming or changing apartheid or deconstructing it, for a better word, uh, is not an episode with an end. It is an episode with no end. We will continuously have to deal with changing perceptions, uh, consciousness of people, uh, for, 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 to think in a different way and to act in a different way, in a way that would uh, 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 encourage uh, a consciousness of non-racialism. That's a process. We're not going to stop. We're not, we're not going to change that by tomorrow, mm. but we must continue to work towards that. And Kali? Yeah, just the last response to some of the callers. Alex says that uh, we're saying that whites are the only taxpayers. That's never what I said. What was said is that whites don't make a contribution, and I said they make that through tax, not saying nobody else pays tax. With regards to the HRC, Human Rights Commission, they accuse us of sectoralism. Um, the fact is, if you look at the HRC, uh, when there's a, a white-on-black attack, they come in on their own, even without a complaint. But when it's the other way around, uh, they don't bother with the case. So they also have to look not to be a one-sided organization. And then the highlight for me was the call of Tabang that said, we're all human beings. Um, I agree with Tabang, we're all human beings. And on behalf of myself and every forum, we want to extend the hand of friendship to everybody in this country and says, let's fight racism uh, without looking at who the perpetrator is. And that's where we have to leave it this morning, unfortunately. Ntate Leslie Tikeni, Mr. Kali Krill and um, Dr. Kim Well, thanks so much for your time this morning. And to you fantastic uh, listeners, as always, great participation and to the production team for making sure it went out loud and clear. It's uh, just after nine and time for news with Vabakshini Chetty Miller.